0: What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Greetings and salutations. Jeffrey Wilson coming at you one more time with another episode of the Conspiracy Farm Swapcast style this time. I am, as always, with my co-host, partner in crime, UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich And today we are talking a little climate change with the host of The Corbett Report, James Corbett, as well as the host of The Ripple Effect podcast with Ricky Verandes. If you didn't know, the website is up, www.theconspiracyfarm.com. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for war?
1: The first thing I'll do is just recommend people, if you haven't yet, please go to corporatereport.com slash big oil. That is my how and why Big Oil Conquered the World documentaries, which is the big, big, big overview picture. It's one of the most important things I've ever done. So if you haven't watched it yet or listened to it yet or read it yet, shame on you. It's 100 percent for free. And it represents essentially a decade of research um, trying to distill it into a narrative that I hope makes sense. But yes, this narrative takes us essentially from the 19th century and the development of the oil industry into the current day and age of climate change hysteria into the future of technocracy. And these are all related items. And there's some very extremely important historical linkages that we can paint between this. And uh, so one of them is the concept of eugenics, which for people who don't know, late 19th century, basically the British gentleman scientists of the time decided that you know what? I think we are the natural rulers of the world because our genetics make us that way. And genetics was well, gene had not quite been uh, discovered by that point, but the uh, the principle of hereditary um, traits being passed on was starting to be developed by Mendel and others, looking at pea pods, and they said, well, pea pods, humans. It's the same thing. And, and yeah, genetic traits, well, that must include the fact that poor people tend to have poor children. Why? Because they have bad genes, of course. And rich people have rich children because we have the superior genes and we're designed to rule over you. So this was a mindset that, was, uh, that took off in the late 19th century, developed in the early 20th century. It started in England. It moved over to America in the early 20th century. Um, uh, Charles Davenport and people like this were propounding it. And it became exceptionally popular. It was the rock star super science of the early 20th century in a way that we can't fathom unless we put it into the current 21st century context. Basically, it was the climate change science of the early 20th century. Everyone who was anyone had to at least mouth the words, oh, eugenics, oh, we must be concerned about these poor people breeding too much. And how do we get the the best people to breed together, the rich? Um, That was the concern of everyone who was anyone at that time. And that uh, was, as I show in the Big Oil documentary, it it was fostered and inculcated and propounded by the oligarchs who had consolidated so much power in the 19th century because, hey, they were at the top of the heap at this point. So, hey, yeah, it's because we have great genes or whatever. It was their self-justification in a scientific age for what in a previous age would have been. The divine right of kings, or whatever God made exactly. us into rulers yes. of the world.
2: Now um, it's the Kardashians and the Jenners.
1: Yeah, well, those are the uh, that that's the puppets that are thrown out on the stage for people to gawk over, and oh look, they're rich and famous, and that's what we well, have I to aspire mean, to. Yeah. Whereas the people with real power and control are literally true, yeah. making the money, literally printing the money into existence. So money in, a, in, a, in a, itself is almost meaningless. Um, it's just Points On the scoreboard, as it were. Um, But uh, so we have to understand those roots because throughout the early part of the 20th century, as I say, it developed and everyone who was anyone was writing about it and talking about it and thinking about it. There was entire scientific societies dedicated to the study of eugenics and how do we. How do we limit the, the poor population and, and how do we foster the rich population? Going as far they as creating steril- sterilization
0: laws in the 19, early 1900s. Sterilization laws. This law was a, a huge part of case. The
1: story in the United States, in a number of countries, uh, even here in Japan. I think I remember reading recently the last sterilization took place in the 1990s. Was it here or in Alberta? They're anyway.
2: Sterilizing, no, they're sterilizing people in Africa now with the uh um, they certainly are
1: but i mean the on the books on the records we are going to sterilize you kind of things not this the programs that they are still running on the entire human population given i mean the fact that sperm counts have dropped 50 percent in the past half century yeah you think there's some sort of sterilization program going on i think so anyway but the on the records books uh, uh of sterilization programs that was passed in many states in the united states um for my american friends out there um was an exceptionally important part of that program. But that eugenics movement that started in Britain, was fostered in America, hmm. got taken up in Germany and got mixed up with some other kind of Aryan pure race ideas. And, you know, the, the Kaiser Nazis Wilhelm Nazis kind of made Institute. it look like a bad thing. Oh, damn them. They made, they made eugenics sound like a bad thing. And everyone equates now eugenics with Nazis. So we have to drop that word. And the eugenicists were explicitly aware of this. They wrote about it openly, talked about it in their journals and in their conferences at the time. Eugenics is a dirty word. We have to change the name. I mean, we're not going to change the idea. The idea is still exactly the same. We need to sterilize and limit the poor population. We need to foster the rich population. But we can't say that openly anymore. Which By 1945,
0: 1945, uh, 400,000 Germans were sterilized, so they were well on their way.
2: Well, and the yeah. ones that the ones that are able to reproduce, you just Planned Parenthood the hell out of them, right?
1: Exactly right. And Planned Parenthood, with Margaret Sanger, who was a eugenicist, talked right. openly about it. Uh, well documented, but now we hand people awards, the Sanger Award for being, you know, a brave woman or whatever it is, to people like Hillary Clinton. Yay! So it's all it's all this rich tapestry that most people that has been deliberately precluded from our education. No one learns about eugenics anymore. I was I remember a decade ago talking to a person here in Japan who I'd met who had studied, I think to the master's level in genetics. And I was so I, I broached the topic of eugenics. And he's he literally had not even heard the word eugenics before. That's,
2: that's possible. And he's not
1: That's horrific. But this is
2: the master's wait, level wait, wait. Education. He's a geneticist. He's a geneticist, and
1: hadn't heard of eugenics. Nope. Wow. He literally asked me, "What's wow. eugenics?" Well, I, I highly recommend <laughs> so, people who this have. This is this is the state of education
3: at this point. Uh, one doc, uh, a, a great documentary on this topic, and I was actually I think this was years ago. James brought it up either on my show or some other discussion. Uh, Mafa twenty one, or I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, M A A F A twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in Great. my uh it, it, on my YouTube channel on my in my documentary playlist. it's an amazing documentary. I put all these doc. it's amazing how many of these documentaries get pulled i I have this playlist on on YouTube where I have a bunch of free documentaries on YouTube, and I'm always adding stuff, and people are always hitting me up. they're like, "Hey, a bunch of stuff's missing, a bunch of stuff's missing and it's like every time I go in there it says deleted, 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 <clears throat> you know video and uh and that's one of them that keeps uh, disappearing. And and I luckily keep Imagine finding other sources. That. But it's a it's a great I mean, it really goes into how eugenics really was just a, a bullshit science that was used to justify racism, basically, you know, and or classism,
1: you know, maybe uh, racism, both, classism, classism, any yeah. any ism that yeah. propounds the status quo and the rich who were already in charge of the system. Um, but the point of this in terms of the climate change debate is that, as I say, in the 50s, they were openly talking about how do we make eugenics into crypto-eugenics, eugenics by another name, and the first uh, idea that they hit on was population control. That was the moniker that they 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 embraced, and so you get uh, J.D. Rockefeller III and the Population Council, literally, I mean, again, the oligarch families literally fun- founding and funding these organizations into existence, right. um, and the Population Council was, of course, concerned about overpopulation in these uh, third world countries. Too many poor people. We need to improve life, of course. And, and this always takes the form of, as you mentioned, uh, steriliz- covert sterilization programs in Africa and India and other places. Sometimes quite overt. But anyway, this is the... So would I go St. Louis?
0: Sorry? Sorry? I go St. Louis. It's a community here in St. Louis that had biological
1: and chemical testing on it as well as sterilization. Yeah. Yeah. Like that the many other such uh, ignomies of American medical history. Um, but the point is, from that point. It started to merge with the environmental movement, which was really getting going at that time. You have, uh, was it Rachel Carson, the Silent Spring, and, and things like this. We're fostering an awareness of ecosystem, and we're part of a planet, and you know it's a life support system for the planet, and we have to balance it. The crypto-eugenicists latched onto that. Um, un- I mean, for one thing, reading the tea leaves, seeing which w- direction the wind is blowing, people are involved and in, interested in this movement. It has that kind of grassroots feel to it. But you have literally the World Wildlife Fund and these other the nature conservancy, these big groups that uh, were extremely well funded because they were founded by the literal card carrying eugenicists of old, literal eugenic society heads and uh, people like um, uh, 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 not Julie, uh, not Aldous Huxley, Julian Huxley. Yeah. UNESCO.
0: UNESCO. Absolutely. UNESCO
1: uh, literally on uh, helped found WWF, along with, of course, the British royalty and uh, Dutch royalty and others behind Royal Dutch Shell, for example. I I mean, mean, like I said, part of of the the oil of art literally the eugenicists becoming the environmental movement. And you have to
2: you have to to put sheep's wool over the over the evil plan. Of course. Of course.
1: This is an important point just because they took over and and managed and steered this environmental movement doesn't mean that environmentalism or being concerned about the planet is a bad thing. No, on right. the contrary, it means that is a natural human tendency. We want to take care of the planet, and right. they're going to use that urge by misdirecting that urge into unproductive ways or uh, counterproductive ways, like the modern environmental movement, which does not talk about genetic modification. It does not talk about... EMF and wireless radiation and these types of extremely important environmental concerns. No, it is 100% carbon dioxide. Not even greenhouse gases in general of which carbon dioxide is a tiny fraction. No, carbon dioxide is almost exclusively. And why is that? That is because it is the choke point of the industrial economy. If you want a developed industrial economy, you need carbon to produce carbon dioxide at this point. So if you can demonize that, You demonize the entire economic system as it stands. That is the underlying economic basis for the crypto-eugenic movement that is this hijacked environmental movement. And that's leading us into technocracy the f- world of the future where everything will be cracked down on to the point where all of our energy will be controlled and actually used as a currency that is where this is going but energy before we
0: jump into technocracy technology. though i want to make sure we cover cats like because like you said under the auspices of these certain organizations unesco ipcc etc cetera, etc cetera, you have all these kind of umbrella organizations and somebody who was hugely hugely a part of that was a gentleman by the name of Maurice strong if you can break down a little bit who he is and how he was has been huge as far as as facilitating this agenda.
1: If you just read the basic biographical breakdown of Morris Strong, there is no way that you cannot be a little bit overwhelmed. Like, how on earth did this happen? A junior high school dropout. He was from a poor family in rural Manitoba that uh, was suffering from the Great Depression when Strong was born. And he went on to... Uh, organized the Stockholm Environmental Conference, found as the founding director of the United Nations Environment Program. He was the secretary, ser, secretary general of the Rio Earth Summit. He was the founder of the Earth Council and the Earth Charter Movement, the chair of the World Resources Institute, commissioner of the World Commission on Environment and Development. I could go on and on. Like You can literally go on for paragraphs just citing his various titles and, and uh, positions. And, oh, yeah, one other thing. He was a self-made, mil- self-made uh, millionaire uh, by his ni- uh, or late twenties in the oil patch in Alberta, uh, with a lot of help from Rockefeller and Rockefeller associates at Standard Oil. Oh, huh. Wow, strange! A literal oil man who made his wealth in the oil trade is the person who is one of the leading lights of late twentieth century environmental movement. Isn't that strange? Doesn't that ring any bells for anyone or make any sort of alarm noises? It does for me. Sounds like the more you look into Morris Strong, the crazier the story is. Not even talking about his aunt, Anna Louise Strong, who was this communist who was consorted with uh, Lenin and, uh, and Mao. She ended up in China where Morris Strong ended up at the end of his life as he was disgraced in the oil for food scandal and with Iraq and all of that that's that's all another crazy sidebar to the story although obviously some important points in there to be made but Morris Strong and his shepherding of this environmental movement into this international organization or organizations interlocking organizations to be presided over by the loving arms of the united nations <laughs> under this earth charter which is the uh, has often been compared i believe it was either by himself or by mikhail gorbachev who was one of the other um pen writers of the earth charter uh, compared it to the uh, the ten commandments this is the ten commandments for the you know, for the modern age uh, about all about how the earth, you know, we have to worship the earth and blah, 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 Gaia it's, worship it's craziness. It's, well, so, it's something to think crazy. about
0: Like the weird contradiction. Like you said, Maurice Strong being the head of uh, Petro Canada while spearheading, you know, basically all of this, this climate change conversation. It, it really is interesting because something not to overlook. And I kind of wanted to start out with this, how you have so many of these oil guards, these oil tycoons who have divested trillions and trillions of dollars of the, from the oil and put that into this new technology, sustainable development, and technocracy, etc. Talk about that if you don't mind. I mean, I don't mean to throw in too much in the in the middle of things, but how these families are already ahead of the game and divesting so much and already invested huge in yeah. this new this new evolution.
1: It's an extremely important point because the the oligarchs, as I call them, uh, have known for for some time now that they are hated. That the public understands the game, that the game is for control over energy and that uh, the oligarchs won it in the late 19th century and have been using that power and money uh, for political influence for the past century uh, in various ways. And the public has identified that and understands it. Big oil is a bad thing. That is not a controversial statement with most people these days. But having understood that. Well, what is the way to get around that? It is, of <laughs> course, to lead the anti-big oil movement. <laughs> you get in front of the wave and lead it and, again, push it in the direction that you want. So now, uh, as you say, big news. Uh, uh, several years ago, the Rockefellers are now completely divested from oil. And look, they've they've, they've unloaded billions and billions of dollars and all their shares and things. Well, they might have some some shares here and there, but uh, they're, they're mostly diver- divested from oil. Uh, so look, this is good, we're winning, right? The right. people are winning, big oil is going down. But wait, what's coming along to replace the old big oil monopolies? What what is What is the vision of the future that we're being offered? And the vision of the future is increasingly a completely interconnected 5G run smart grid internet of everything internet of things in which every object that is manufactured will have its own ipv6 address and an embedded rfid chip or some other equivalent that will be constantly communicating data about you and your daily activities to the network through the network for the purpose of controlling every single interaction and transaction that every single human being on the earth has and why is this it's because well, they want to make a better Earth for us, guys. They want to reduce our carbon <laughs> footprint and make sure that everyone, everyone's happy and they can balance it all. It's nonsense when you really break it down, but it is appealing nonsense because it is being cloaked in this green garb. You care about the planet, right? Right. So you've got to give them this kind of control.
0: Pat, you're muted, buddy. Can't hear you, boss. Patrick J., can't hear you.
2: When we When we talk about these these oligarchs divesting billions upon billions of dollars and and getting into the green movement and everything else. Look, ultimately, it's still the peasants around the world that are funding it through higher taxation and everything else on every gallon of gas that we buy, um, all-natural gas that we use, uh, heating fuel, everything else that we touch that has anything to do with fossil fuels. We are paying the price for it. And in the end, you know, when I drive across Western Iowa and I see hundreds of giant windmills that are, you know, they're not going to pay for themselves for hundreds of years. They're all going to fall down before they pay for themselves because they're so far away from the grid. They had to pay so much money to frigging time together that we're going to end up being charged even more for what they call green energy. When in the end, every person individually should be trying to figure out a way To put solar panels on their roof, a windmill in their yard, dig their own well, and become completely independent from the system and sell energy back to the grid, which in the end, we would probably be charged tax for not using it in the first place because
1: they have to tax us. It's it's mind boggling, the layers of control here. And let's add another layer onto this, because, of course, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that we are told that gas prices just keep rising and rising and rising forever, seemingly, is because, of course, we're running out of oil. Right. And how do we know this? Because of Hubbard's Peak. M. King Hubbard came up with the peak oil theory back in the 1950s uh, for shell actually he was working for shell as a uh uh, geologist at the time and he came up with this theory well look production increases like this and eventually we're going to tap out and eventually production will stop and and the funny thing is about hubbard's peak and the the famous curve that everyone's seen is that there's actually no data whatsoever behind it it is a heuristic tool he says well it must be like this and he, he arbitrarily set the dates which by the way was 2000 right so Obviously, there's no more no more increase in oil production since 2000, right? Oh, wait. <laughs> right. Uh, some problems there. But the interesting thing about this is M. King Hubbard, better, best known for Hubbard's peak, peak Oil, was in the 1930s a co-founder of Technocracy, Inc., which was the technocracy movement created by uh, Howard Scott, who is a charlatan, a crank. Who came up with this idea that was very, again very appealing to the elite? Is out of that Columbia University. Out of they they were in the basement of Columbia University for about a year before they got kicked out because it was discovered Howard Scott was a charlatan and didn't have any degree, mm. <laughs> as of <laughs> so they kicked him out. But he, they they were in the basement of Columbia along with IBM for uh, by the way, which was developing um, some of the latest computer technology in the basement of Columbia uh, right alongside technocracy at the time. But they were uh, propounding this idea that. We can solve all problems, social, political, economic, everything, as long as you have scientists and engineers and economists and professionals in charge. We don't want politicians. We want professionals, technocrats, to run this system. And the technocrats, if you give them enough data, can do anything. So go back and read the technocracy study course, which was the founding document of Technocracy, Inc. It was penned by M. King Hubbard, Hubbard's Peak, M. King Hubbard, And it lists this crazy wish list of things that they basically want to be able to do 24-7 total surveillance of the economy. Everything that's bought, everything that's sold, everything that's manufactured, how much energy did it take to manufacture it, what was paid for it, Uh, how is it being used, when is it depleted? They wanted total surveillance of everything in the world, which in the 1930s is total crackpot nonsense. (laughs) What on earth are they thinking? In 2019... Well, well, that's right on do it. time. We got smart grid. We got 5G. We got the Internet of Things. Yes. We can do this, guys. So that's that's and the next level,
0: go. like what the next evolution is going to go. And what, what Pat was saying about how we're going to be paying for this. This is a whole revamping of the whole economic structure, this post-carbon world. Talk to me, if you will, about basically the essence of this, which is what you just said, a resource based economy versus an energy based economy and how that's going to just change the whole game.
1: So uh, you can go back, uh, I think 2000, I want to say 2014 or so, Christina Figueres, who at that time was high up in the UN uh, CCCC, uh, uh, the UN Climate Change Committee, essentially, um, uh, bureaucracy. uh, She was saying that we are proposing nothing less than a fundamental change in the economic development model of the world. It has up to this point for the last few hundred years, we've been under capitalism. We are going to, for the first time in human history deliberately and methodically change that development model Well, what are they changing it into that's the real question and as you raise the specter there it is a resource-based economy this is the underlying idea of technocracy in which we don't use currency you know pieces of paper printed up by a government out of based on gold reserves or something or based on nothing as is the case these days well, what's the what's the point of that no 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 we need to make engineer an economic model in which currency is literally energy Literally, your currency will be measured in jewels, and you will be allotted a certain number of jewels per per week, per month, per year, whatever it is, from the techn the technate, which was the name of the political institution that the techno- technocrats are going to institute. Uh, they the engineers and scientists and brilliant people. Don't worry, guys. They're specialists, and they don't have any any agenda or plan other than your self interest. Of course. And they're going to decide, OK, this is how much energy we're produ- uh, producing and this is how much energy we need. So you're going to get this much energy. This is your allotment. These are your credits. And you can you can spend these in the economy any way you wish, guys. Uh, and like you said, they, and they
0: know about that. They know how much credits to issue you by the consumption they've been measuring from this. your smart meters, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Exactly. And they would never lie about things like that. That, right? No. They would never, re- for, for, for example, purposefully reduce your carbon rations more and more, your energy rations, so that uh, you basically have a peasant population under the thumb of these techni- technocrats and the people who are puppeteering them. Never, never. This but, is like uh, straight
0: neo-feudalism.
1: I mean, this is like a new... It is straight neo-feudalism. Yeah. This is and the vision of redistribution at, at a global level. I will, I will lay out the vision, the ultimate end vision of the world and the way it would look under this system, which is to have masses of people packed into these dense urban areas in which, of course, everything is surveilled and controlled uh, 24-7, everything monitored. Uh, Carbon credits are allowed for certain uh, daily activities, but they'll be gradually reduced. (laughs) So it is essentially a urban peasant population. And meanwhile, vast territories of the earth, vast swaths of the globe, the natural resources and abundant wealth of the earth will be administered by the technate. They will take over these areas in the name of saving the planet and being good to nature and blah 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 whatever, whatever rhetoric they have to put on top of it but those will be no-go zones for the regular public. Yeah. You won't even have access to vehicles that could get you there because This is straight, I, I've is said smart. this
0: before on the show bro, this is straight Judge Dredd. I'm a comic book fan. Judge Dredd back in the 80s where everything was mega cities, which you just described, these big urban cities where everybody's got credits and this and that. And anywhere outside it, they call it the cursed earth. Like, oh, my God, nobody goes to the cursed earth because clearly that's being monitored by the people who have our best intention. So let me ask you, man, just as so many of these companies, huge, huge companies, got ahead of the curve on, on climate change, et cetera, and divested as a part of this technocracy how is that with the financial system, blockchain, Bitcoin? When you got the Federal Reserve, you got so many of these huge, huge banks that are already getting their stuff ready for blockchain in a, in a basically a cashless society. Are these? This is essentially kind of a merging of these from cash to social, et cetera, et cetera. This is just like you said, straight technocracy all day.
1: Yeah, yeah, but but interestingly, you say blockchain, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, blockchain. As if they're interchangeable. That's well, true. They're, That's they're true. different. They're digital currency being run run and monitored on this blockchain. But so I mean, yeah, I, you're
0: right. That's not mutually exclusive.
1: So I, I detail that point in an episode of my podcast called The Bitcoin Psyop, where I differentiate between the two and explain why we are being conditioned in our minds to just accept, oh, Bitcoin, blockchain, whatever. Whenever you see blockchain, think Bitcoin. Whenever you see Bitcoin, think blockchain. It's because they want those concepts wedded so that they can introduce all sorts of new ideas, innovative ideas for how they're going to better run the uh, the global financial system based on this amazing new blockchain technology. You've heard about it, guys. You know, Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah, you've heard about it. It's good. It's cool. It's the way of the future. Meanwhile, they're going to completely, 100% pervert the uh, original idea of cryptocurrency and what it was meant to do, which was to undermine the central banks themselves, to present uh, an international method of exchange that does not require or even allow central banks to operate. They're going to take that, uh, Mm. make private blockchains that, that are nationally administered and probably administered by central banks themselves, and present that to the public as this is digital cryptocurrency guys. You can take these wallets that the government will I- issue you and we'll you know will 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 use this in the future. This is where things are going. and the, the real danger about that is, of course, is that the blockchain uh, is not anonymous. All transactions are monitored in there, and everything that happens on there is kept forever. Um, the The difference being on a uh, on an open public blockchain, you can, at least have pseudonymity. I mean, an, uh, an account number is not in, a person. An inter, in internet
0: right. as opposed to intranet. That's what China I, is doing now. I, Their blockchain it, yeah. is essentially.
1: national intranets uh, where they true. administer everything. Out. You know,
2: so many millions upon millions of people have become, you know, privy to, you know, understanding the central banking system and and the slavery that, that ensues because of it. It's going to be tough for them to completely control this, uh, because, I mean, really, as you said, there is some sense of anonymity. We're going to be able to 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 work around it to a certain extent. I think there's, you know, going to be some cowboys
1: out there, right? Oh, there always are. There are always cracks in any system, and partly that is intentional because we know that. I mean, for, at the very least, the deep state needs their backdoors in the financial system so they can launder money and, and drug money and all of that. They need those back So they will exist. And a dedicated, informed public that really wants to get out there and do it. There will always be space for pirates of various sorts. Mm-hmm. But it will be, like in any other age, that will be almost a leper class. You know, oh... You know, you don't want to do that. You want to play ball with the system and KYC and and sign all the all the right paperwork and make sure that you're not going to get in trouble with the man. And ninety nine percent of the population, if not more, will go along because it's the easiest way to get along.
2: Yeah. And I, th- I think that, you know, ultimately for me, I've I've already said to myself that, you know, if we fall under full blown, you know, these these type of controls. Look, I'm going to be a pirate. One hundred percent. I will be um, I'm, I'll be. I'll have shipping containers full of AK-47s and ammo coming in and and selling them with, you know, with digital currency and everything else. I mean, I, I already foresee myself just not conforming to that, not at all.
1: And I'm sure let there's me, millions, millions of other you. people doing the same. Let me make a suggestion. Pirateswithoutborders.com. I like that. You can become a pirate today if you want. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: So, you know? yeah, I mean, it's it's scary, man. It truly is. I mean, I was just having a conversation with a friend today, like you said, using all the fuzzy words of, you know, just, you know, you got to love the earth. And you know what I mean? Like you said, it doesn't have to be a binary thing. Of course, you can love the environment without signing on just specifically to CO2 because there's so many other conversations from water vapor to the process of the sun. I mean, we just don't give this much, which is weird. Not weird, but it's like when you say CO2, it just goes to the heart of how things grow co2 is a part of photosynthesis we expel co2 which obviously is a part of photosynthesis so it's like humans are the
1: problem yeah stop having it, so many interesting i mean there's so many levels to this psyop but one of them is that it's not co2 no one says co2 right. they all say carbon carbon which is not only scientifically inaccurate but but it does get to the point that we are carbon based life forms and it does i think drive home the point that ultimately this is about demonizing humanity we do not have to conjecture about that. That is yeah. in black and Which white. Which goes back to their words. original
0: eugenics agenda,
1: quite frankly. Well, I mean. read the Club of Rome's The First Global Revolution from 1991, where they literally say that carbon, uh, that the threat of global warming would fit the bill that they are looking for to make humanity the enemy of man. It's a crazy statement out there in black and white in 1991 from the Club of Rome. You can go look it up. I bring it up uh, often because I still don't think, you know, one person in a million has heard of it. But it's right there in black and white. They say they want to make humanity the enemy of man and they will use the threat of global warming to do so. What what craziness, what kind of mentality is that? Well, it's the mentality, unfortunately, of people with Inordinate amounts of wealth and resources to bear to bring to bear on the topic.
0: Well, I even saw what was it? ocasio uh, Cortez was hanging out in her apartment, drinking wine or whatever, just t- taking questions from people, and she was like, "Yeah, we probably should not be having as many kids." And I've even seen other just people on the news like, "Yeah, we should." That would go a long way to stemming the you know carbon pro- carbon dioxide carbon problem. We would just stop having as many kids, et cetera, et cetera. Which again, you know, code word. You bring out your Captain Crunch decoder ring. It's like humans are the problem.
1: Which yeah, the same. exactly. And of course, everyone, I always get pushback from people about that. When I pr- point this out, I, I, co- I call it carbon eugenics. And if you type carbon eugenics into my search bar, you can find all sorts of things I've done on this, where I've been talking for a decade plus now about sterilization programs and, and oh, you don't want children. Children will be bad for the environment. They've been pushing this for a while. Now it's now they're still trying to push it. I don't think it is organically taking off, but they're pushing these yeah. groups, uh, the birth strike movement, and other things that they're always trying to push this. In but again, this faces. is kind of like
0: China. China's so ahead of the curve with their five G and their technocracy right now, their their blockchain, et cetera. But there was, they had their population only one kid or whatever it was for so they long. They had
1: sure the one child policy. Yeah, he got rid of it. Interestingly. Yeah. It even it wasn't even exactly a one-child policy for the rural areas there was there was more children allowed and things like that so it was never but they did they did have it and now now they want to develop their economy now they're having more children hmm, I wonder how that works that a- actually again this is a whole other branch of uh, incredibly important fake science that's been pushed on people the overpopulation bunk that has been pushed pushed on us for uh, the better part of 60 70 years now I I hope people would go back and watch the, my uh, Corb Report podcast on Paul Ehrlich. Meet Paul Ehrlich, uh, uh, pseudo scientist, charlatan. It's Obama's guy, isn't it? One of Obama, remember.
0: Obama's yeah, remember guy?
1: That. Yeah, it's. But, yeah, Paul Ehrlich, who wrote The Population Bomb and was really got this going in the public consciousness. Uh, not only is he. Wrong about everything. He's predicted so many things. By the year 2000, the UK will be uh, uh, will, will be over because uh, the, the the food riots and everything and blah blah blah. It's the same old Malthusian nonsense that we've been hearing for the past 200 plus years since Thomas Malthus started uh, mouthing it. But it continues to be promoted, and people like Paul Ehrlich continue to be showered with accolades for their failed predictions, their history of nothing but failed predictions. That's
0: Al Gore 101 because, like, right now we should be all underwater and polar bears would all be dead, ice caps should all be melted, which is funny coming from a guy who had hundreds of thousands of share from his father in Occidental Petroleum Corporation, you know, another person who's, you know, neck deep in oil telling us how to preserve and conserve and climate or carbon credits. That's so funny. His company or with his guy, the blood guy. So it's blood and gore or gore and blood or something. That's literally the guy's name. Al Gore and this guy, the guy's
1: last name is blood. Here's a conspiracy theory for you. Go ahead, James. sorry. Well, here's a conspiracy theory for you. So it's been making the rounds again. It was talked about a couple decades ago, but there was apparently press reports at the time. I can't remember which airport, but there was some airport where Al Gore's suitcase got knocked over or something and blood poured out of it. And it was apparently, I haven't seen the reports, I I haven't seen them, so I don't know, but apparently this was reported even AP or Reuters or whatever it was at the time. Al Gore is carrying around bags of blood when he goes traveling, what's this all about? And so, the theory is it has something to do with uh, the, uh, as we now know millionaires billionaires have been paying for the blood of young children to be in, uh, uh, transfused into them. Uh, what's it called? Adrenochrome and all of that. Yeah, right? that's an actual science. Oh uh, no, absolutely, but, it is. No, it's but, real. Uh, but, no so much. Al Gore apparently got caught out with that a couple of decades ago. So here's the big conspiracy theory: all uh, blood and Gore, like literally having a a, a co-worker or co-investor yeah. named Blood completely uh, messes up the search for that uh, particular thing. When you try to search uh, about gore uh, and the bags of blood, you're just going to get blood and gore kind of stuff from his company.
2: You know, but the, the point that I wanted to get to is that, you know, with all of this stuff that, you know, I've had conversations with, and look, I've been in the TV industry for many years now. You know, I, I started out as a professional athlete and a coach and have been involved in the television industry. And of course the telev- television industry has a lot of folks who, you know, lean liberal and it's, it's, you know, the, the hatred of, of not only Donald Trump, but, but, you know, the big, the big corporations you know, polluting, they don't use polluting, but uh, when I say, listen, can we just have a common sense conversation and understand that the other side, meaning me as a conservative, doesn't want to see pollution all, all the way down to from the, from the multinational corporations dumping stuff in our rivers all the way down to somebody throwing a, a wrapper out of the window of their car. I don't want to see it at all. Neither do you. Let's talk about pollution. Let's let's stop with this human-caused global warming. Because now, you know, and I had this conversation just, just this week with a lot of people that I work with. They're great people. They're concerned with the environment. But they have been, they have been um, hook, line, and sinker that it's human-caused. And I said, look, man... Um, you know, NASA and a lot of other scientists are saying, you know, we're they're warning of warning us that we're in the middle of a solar uh, minimum and that we're headed into a mini ice age, okay? So let's can we please stop with with the human causes? Maybe we bumped it a little mm-hmm. bit, but ultimately, Look the sun is in control of, of our of our atmosphere of our world. that's the way it is. I mean can we just stop Well my, 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 my diesel my diesel truck uh, or my my, my 150 uh, v6 is is not going to turn the world into an inferno it, it, it is not.
0: But again, that go. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. But that's you're just speaking straight common sense. What what what's going on? And as we know, this is one of those things. Kind of going back to your our World War One conversation. And the Milner group, they planted that seed, and it took fifteen, twenty, or however long for the world war for World War One to happen. These are one of those generational things that they planted the seed on in the early 1900s. And again, had to change the framework of eugenics to climate change and stuff. But it's like they're they're never gonna let that go, Pat. Well, I, honestly, I, I'm but with but you. But
2: the the it's like This is at the beginning the of evolution. They're going for do. At the beginning of every show that we do, we need to ask people this: We need to say, "I don't care if you are a full-blown socialist, a communist, a free-market um, believer. I, I don't care what your background is. Do you want the truth? And if you're and if you're presented with the truth, will you at least believe it, or will you just ignore it?" and keep believing what the talking heads and the media will tell yes. you. See, I, but can, I think, can
1: I back that up? Yeah. Because this is the thing that frustrates me the most out of these topics that we're talking about right I now. I get you um, wound up? <laughs> which are, uh, I mean, these are the most important topics facing the world in uh, at the current time and in the foreseeable future. These are going to literally transform the way we live our lives, the economy, everything Absolutely. we can think about. And I consistently get feedback from people um, I mean, obviously, I get a lot of pushback. Oh, are you? You're a global warming denier, and blah blah blah. Okay, whatever. I mean, I, I get where they're coming from, and uh, you know, which is, not again, that's part of the language. You're a global
0: global warming denier, which means you might be a Holocaust denier too.
1: That denier, yeah, that yeah, exactly you know? denier. You know, just yes. use the word. But here's the here's the thing that really gets to me is when people, after I've laid out the case, and I've done so many videos talking about how what is the average global temperature, how is that derived, You know, where does this come from, what, what data sets are being used, how are those data sets manipulated. I've gone into this in so much detail. Eventually, sometimes I'll get this feedback from people, well, James, even if it is just a big hoax, it's a good one because it's getting people off of big oil, right? Oh. No. First of all, what do you think it is that I do? I do not just oh that's a lie but it's a good lie so we better just go along with that lie no I don't do that that is against everything that I believe and all of my core principles and secondarily if you don't understand the the lie and the purpose the reason why they are constructing this lie you are going to be led directly into the wrong fake phony solution that they're pushing you they're pushing society into that's the point of this and people who want a convenient lie uh, that that really But that, again that's part of the program that it. takes
0: generations and years and years you have these like these millennials now who god bless their soul they're, they're you know they're of that kind of no we we just want to genuinely save the earth not knowing the inside baseball going back to what we're talking about eugenics they uh, th- some of them might know but they can't
2: possibly and still support this and Very be like much- yeah we're
0: breaking free from from big
2: oil like no sure. Ricky tried jumping in a couple times. Uh, Ricky, what what did you have to say?
3: I I kind of forgot, but well, <laughs> but one thing I did want to get into a, a little bit just to bring up before we run out of time is, I mean, so there there's obviously I think one huge thing and James hits on a lot. I think is very important is that this idea that the science is settled and you hear that with vaccines, you hear that with uh, climate. Uh, they use climate denier the same way they use conspiracy theorists. It's like they're right. they're just. You know, basically, if you're a climate denier, you might also be talking, you know, the next conversation might be about the 9-11, the or they just, yeah, the Holocaust, they'll, they'll pigeonhole you in that, and, and I think it's a huge issue, that. but one thing, you know, I also have a, a, a little bit of, or at least I'm uncertain about if, you know, like this thing, I think the science is unsettled in both directions. I think we're not 100% sure the effect we have on Earth, and we're not 100% sure we have any effect, and I think Almost anybody who's too confident, I mean, if you look at both sides of the arguments, and, and since we've decided to have this uh, this podcast, I've listened to a lot of climate debates. You know, somebody's pro cl- you know, climate change, or uh, uh, and the other one's a denier or thinks it's a hoax or whatever. And if you look at all the statistics and all the science that they're referring to, none of it is really good. And none of it is really, hmm. you know, some of it, I mean, like, you, like James has said, some of the predictions have been so unbelievable I, I remember hearing david wallace on like the jerogan podcast talking about in like t- you know just in i forget how many years that like we're gonna 50 of of california is going to be on you know on fire you know and all this stuff is going to happen and all you know and it's like you know i think that you guys are definitely you know inflaming that but you, i also understand that cars for example like if i turn my car on and i keep it running in the garage, I'm going to die if I'm in the car or if I'm in that garage. So that has to, you know, that obviously isn't good for the environment. I also understand the corporations, you know, putting stuff into the water to save money. I mean, you look at the history of fluoride, for example, you know, it was a, a great way of uh, saving some money. Let's convince people it's good for you. And, um, and and that's not good either. And I don't, and the problem is that it, it's become such a political issue where similar to like if you're anti-war, you, you must be, uh you know not patriotic you might you must be anti troops you must exactly. not you must not it's like same thing where like if you have any actual open discussion about this and you question any of the science or any uh, any of this stuff all of a sudden you're anti environment you're anti you know humanity you're anti you know and humans I, uh, let's be honest we're not there, there is a argument made that if you eliminated humans from the earth it might be better off, you know, but uh, but I also think that they're justifying, you know, they're demonizing uh, this stuff for for the purpose of you know financial gain and, and social control and, and you know like everything we've been talking about like you know it, it's not a good lie because they're all they're doing is they find a way controlling you at at one point it was with big oil and then they're finding a new way of controlling you. They're just like, "Okay, things are transitioning. We can't ride For this sure. we can't ride this horse forever. We know this is going to mm. end eventually." So they're just they're basically like really good business men who are like, "Hey, we see the market changing. We have to go with the market." So it's like we know we can't milk this cow forever. That oil can't be the way we control uh, people forever. So now they're finding other ways. And this is and this is the thing is. So regardless what you believe about the science, you know, or if uh, humans are having uh, impact on the Earth and, and the climate or whatnot. I mean, you, you guys have all talked to uh, Randall Carlson, who is really knowledgeable in, in the history of the Earth warming and cooling and stuff like that. I mean, it's right. quite, you know, you talk to people like him, they understand this is that does happen. And be, before humans had factories and cars like that, that did happen. We we know pretty well that well, you know, there's.
0: There's the geo geoengineering side of it, too. It's like, you know, when you it's springtime. And we've just been ripped here in the Midwest with floods and tornadoes. It's spring. It's summer. That's kind of what happens. But if you go back, it's not really that much more frequent. But to just gauge it just on its own, just the natural weather, we really can't do that right now because of what we now know they're doing to the weather. They're geoengineering think, things to possibly I create that's, storms.
2: That's, that's the major point right there is what I've been thinking the whole time this entire spring is that I have hardly seen the sun this entire spring. I feel like I'm in Seattle, but with thunderstorms and tornadoes. And I can tell you, look, there've been many springs where we've had tons of storms, tons of water. This one's a little unprecedented, but I do recently recall that Bill Gates and several others talking about that they're going to be seeding. They're going to be spraying. They're going to be blocking the sun's rays. Um, You know, a lot of that stuff was, was going to be picking up, steam and it seems to me that look does it coincide is it mere coincidence potentially but i can tell you that that uh i haven't seen a sun a whole the sun a lot in iowa and and look if they want to claim uh they've already admitted that they're doing it even more now that they were picking it up as i said it's working i haven't seen the sun it hasn't been warm here in iowa global warming isn't happening check my facebook page
0: my homepage. it'll probably be gone by most people listen when most people listen to this i was raised in davenport iowa not far where pat is now i was raised probably how far am i from the river pat maybe 10 15 miles No, not even that right not even that someone posted a video today who now live across the street from where i grew up there was literally i'd say a foot of water rolling down colony drive i lived there my whole life 19 20 years never even there was a field that got flooded every once in a while it was it was unprecedented uh, i'm sorry i've
1: really i've literally got to get going out the door here Um, so let me just end with three things and then you guys can wrap up one uh for geoengineering and its relation to climate change i would suggest people look at a video i did a few years ago geoengineering the real climate change threat yeah. Secondarily, parenthetically, I'll just say, um, Ricky, uh, your closed uh, garage door analogy suggests an equivalency between carbon monoxide and carbon yes. dioxide. And that, of course, is, I think, yeah. part of the, the engineered confusion around these issues. But uh, thirdly, yes, uncertainty. There is uncertainty. Absolutely. But just saying there is uncertainty, gets you labeled a denier Mm -hmm. at this point and locks off the conversation. One of the fundamental figures in all of climate science is called equilibrium climate sensitivity, which is a lot of jargony nonsense for, essentially, if you double the amount of carbon dioxide that is in the atmosphere right now, how many degrees... Fahrenheit for my American friends, Celsius for the rest of the world, how many degrees uh, Celsius will the, the, the global temperature rise? That is that is the heart, the heart of this uh, agenda that they're trying to push on us. And not only is there great uncertainty in that figure, but that uh, that figure has been drifting downward and downward and downward in each IPCC report. Every time they come out with a report, it's a little bit lower. Oh, you know, we thought the doubling of CO2 would would be this much warming. Actually, it's a lot less warming. And they keep dialing that downward, but it continues to have this big range. Well, it can go from, you know, one one degree to 4.5 or whatever it is. So let's, let's assume it's 4.5 or whatever it is. Again, this is the trick that they are pulling. As if carbon dioxide is the thermostat for the earth, and they can dial right. it up, dial it down with precision <laughs> accuracy. Total lunacy.
2: All with the price tag,
1: my friend. All, all with the price, with the price tag. tag. It's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins. That's what it keeps coming down to. I got to go. And control. Thank you, and control. Thank the you man. James the Corbett,
0: thecorbettreport.com. The man, that was awesome. Peace, thank James. Thank you Thanks, so James, much. Again.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Rick.
3: Man. He's such a he's such a I love that guy. I love that guy. He he uh, and he just he's so well researched and he's so willing to to have the discussion. You know, he like if if you ever you know, and I've had hours and hours of discussion with James. If you ever push back on anything, like not push back, but like if you have questions and you are like, hey, you know, what what do you think about this? And something kind of goes. He's more than willing to have the discussion. He doesn't get defensive, and it's like those. That's what we need to do. And this is, I think, the big problem with climate change is that. It, it, it really has become just a political weapon where it's just you know you 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 label people and then you you make make people feel like you're anti-environment if you question it and it's just of it, course you know and it's not well, fair you know
0: and in the world of you know anti-conspiracy theories which is technically what this is you know everyone looks for a shortcut to thinking they don't want to go back to the early 1900s and the rock Rockefeller III and, you know, these eugenic councils that morphed into what we now know as these, you know, environmental conferences and global environmental conference boards, etc. So there's a lot to this. But
3: now, uh, Pat and Jeff, you guys, obviously, uh, I think we all agree that this is being used for some type of social control and for financial gain and whatnot. Right. But even outside of that, does that necessarily mean that there couldn't be? Some type of climate because they did change global warming to climate change because obviously all the predictions were wrong. So now they man-made a, global yeah. warming is what
0: it started as man-made.
3: Global yeah. yeah, and it, do, right. so do you think? What's your personal opinions on? Do you think that any of the you know the things like we talked about from you know uh, pollution and 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 uh, that type of yeah, stuff again, has any it's effect? Really,
0: it's honestly really tough to make that designation or make that quantification simply because, like I said, we've been doing so much since the '40s to engineer the climate and geoengineering in general. It's it's Added to what we do, I'm sure it can't help, but I think think any of
2: it... But think about this. Think about this. This is... It's so simple because, you know, having trained a lot of military and law enforcement, and I've had, you know, a lot of deep conversations with some some pretty heavy hitters in, in law enforcement especially, who sit there and say, you know, you have to think like the bad guy, and so you've got to convert over and think like one of the oligarchs one of the the multi-billionaires uh, the the oil industry controllers you know all of these people that control our energy period and look um, the oil industry had to pretty much develop itself am I correct I mean this was not government subsidized back in the day for the most part I mean these people were were drilling oil and and making money off of it and doing their own thing but now, with, with the conversion, all the stuff that's going on worldwide, um, they are charging for the conversion into renewable energies every citizen walking the planet. And look, if I'm, if I'm a guy that, that controls big oil, um, I've got a lot of power. And I can convert over into the renewable world and make the citizen pay for that conversion? What a no-brainer. I'm still going to make my money. You're still going to have your monthly heating bill. You're still going to have to pay me one way or another. I don't care how I get my it's, money. It's not even just paying but,
0: you. What the larger context is is when you start getting these carbon credits and these allotments of, you no, know, you can only, like based off of your consumption, right, right. And, and like James says, they can manipulate those numbers. They can lower your credits. Like, oh, wait a minute. Last month I had 30 credits. Now you give me 20? I use the same amount. I mean,
2: Ultimately, the the that's, that's the Al Gore game, of course, and a lot of the others, but it's ultimately Al
0: Gore, it's all, I mean, it's the whole thing, right, the SDR SDRs, the single drawing Ultimately,
2: gold, ultimately the biggest amount of money is going to come from electricity and come from, from, you know, those types of, you know, w- renewable look, Hey, if you want to plant hemp everywhere in the world and turn it into diesel, I'm still going to charge you for it. And we're, w- w- that's the way it is. I don't care. I control the energy. I'm still making the money look, I'm going to go with the flow, but you know what's great. I don't have to pay for the infrastructure to change it over because we're charging the peasants per gallon per unit per everything. That's what's going on. And that's why, you know, all the chaos in, in Europe. uh, That's why we dropped out of the, the Paris climate accord. One of the reasons, because we knew that our gas prices, Trump knew our gas prices were going to go through the roof and he went to hell with them.
3: No, you froze. Did everybody freeze? Oh, you're back. Nope. Oh,
2: sorry. Yeah. Everybody's back. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is, look, I don't have to pay for the switchover um, out of my own pocket. We're just going to. I mean, it's it's
0: less even about the money because the people who are controlling it already have, you know, copious amounts of money. They were the ones who ran the
2: oil industry. Now it's really about control. Look, it's always going to be about the money, also, though, because if the money starts going to somebody else, they're going to get. But that'll
0: never happen again. Look at you know the Rockefeller's who started this stuff from the early 1900s have divested four trillion and put it into sustainable energy. So I mean, for them, it's it's never. I mean, the money's always nice, but again, for these guys, it's never really been about the money. Now it's about control, because like you said, we've we've kind of they've they've squeezed that turnip as much as they could. The whole oil thing now, with with them morphing this notion of eugenics into these climate change conferences, et cetera, et cetera, which, again, is about demonizing human beings. You know, it's, in, that's, the
2: brave new Babylon. Yes. In the brave new Babylon, I will be Mad Max.
0: <laughs> See, again, could that have been predictive programming back in the day? So Mad Max. So oh, it's just common sense. But so, no, I mean, it's going to it's going to like you said, James is absolutely right. And I don't even know how many times I've said that on the show about you know, this becoming one of those mega cities like Judge Dredd and out in the outer outer limits is going to be the scorched earth. That's that's that Mad Max land right there for sure. I see it happening, man. I mean, it already it's, it's just a matter of time, in my humble opinion, because you have a lot of people in this new generation is definitely bought on to. And even my parents and a lot, you know, they, they think we're doing something to the environment. They think this will these carbon credits and we've got to do something. The the solution we provide only is going to be should be based on what we think the causes are. If we think it's CO two, then our solution is going to be completely off. We're not considering wouldn't water vapor the pro- and the sun.
2: Wouldn't the pro- Wouldn't the proper citizen movement? Wouldn't the proper citizen movement that would be kinder to the environment and kinder to our pocketbooks be one way or another? Figure out how to get. Pat
3: froze. Yeah, he froze again. He he froze on his brother. Our, our own. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. He, he's probably making a really good point, but we just can't hear it. I him. know, right?
0: <laughs> you sewing it up real nice. <laughs> Patrick J., we, we missed all that. Could you hear me? We missed all that, brother.
2: I'm saying that the common, the common sense thing, look, there's a lot of people out there that don't have the financial resources to do it, but as many as possible that can do it. Becoming energy independent on your own, off the grid, solar panels, um, wind power, uh, power storage, your own well, you know, uh, rain storage. We store, even rainwater talked about storage. that, how
0: they demonize that self sufficiency, citing people for rainwater. Is, look, I'm if, with you. If, that's a, that is if, the solution.
2: If everybody who can financially do it does it, how how can they stop it? is what i'm, I'm with
0: you i think we're too far past that tipping i mean we they've, they've made us so dependent on our electricity and our phones and being on the grid etc it it just makes it it's almost it, i'm not a big biblical guy but you know 666 or the marks of the beast you can't transact you can't buy or sell without the mark and the mark I wondered is i wonder
2: what that our, scar on the back of your head was <laughs> those bark that barcode
0: <laughs> I mean, <but> that's essentially <laughs> what we're talking about they're making it to a point where you're not going to be able to function in this particular type of mega city like like James uh, spoke on, and we spoke on, you know, without being on the grid, without being in the system. On, on yeah, China again—they're already ahead of us, man. Their facial rec- te- uh, facial recognition technology and their their social credit. You you buy too much beer, you jaywalk, you eat too many hamburgers. This begins to you know dictate how many you know your value in Chinese society, and that's what we're
3: going to, man. In well, my opinion, if you look at uh, Levittown, Levittown, uh, Long Island, where they had the first like suburb built. And they were trying to basically it was a social experiment where they were trying to get people to to not be in communities where they help each other. Because, I mean, the way my parents grew up on a farm in, in northern Portugal and a lot of people grew up where you, you shared things like, you know, my parents had tomatoes. You had lettuce. We, you know, uh, we, we traded things and they created the suburb hoping that what you could do was force you to not have interactions with your neighbors, to, to have to go to the grocery store to get everything, to have to go to, you know, the, the, the big box store to get a lawnmower because you don't t- even talk to your neighbors so you can't borrow one or, or a weed whacker. So everybody has their own thing, you know, and... Uh, you know, it's like you look at like the gym, for example, like we all agree that we can all be a member of this sh- at a gym. We don't have to necessarily own every piece of equipment. We can all kind of share this stuff. That's kind of the mentality that, you know, small communities had where like they shared a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, everybody uh, helped each other out. And uh, Levittown, Long Island. Uh, that whole experiment the Levittown Suburb was like kind of the first built suburb in, in the U.S., and it was to push that. And I know Douglas Ruskoff, he's uh, he's talked about it quite a bit. He talked about it on my show some years ago, and it's really interesting because y- you look at it like a- – it, it it makes perfect sense like you kind of create this american dream that is you live in the suburb with this white picket fence and you don't know your neighbors and you have all this privacy but there's a price you pay for that you you also Absolutely. don't you don't have community you don't have help you don't all have right. so you have to you know you don't have i mean you look at like today you grow up like you throw your your parents in a daycare you know back in europe what do you do you uh, or you know it really i shouldn't even say europe any place but America, you know, that's, you know, an old country, you, you take care of your parents until they die. You know, right. your family takes care of them. They you, all you, live together. Yeah, you, you yeah. all live together. You look at uh, if you have kids, you have aunts and uncles and grandparents. Everybody helps. The whole community helps raise them. In America, no, no. You have to focus on work. You have to go to a daycare. So all this stuff, you know, basically makes us more dependent on the system and 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 ha- having less support and less um at least family support or friendship support so it- in
0: in the us i think that's that's definitely by design man i think there there's been a fracturization of that family unit here for a very very long time and that's a that's a very great point man We're, you know parents are working 10 12 hours a day kids being raised by Miss Sally at the daycare unit. Oh, then you find out Miss Sally's got him in a fight club in the back with other kids. Like it's just whatever. It's just you just hear about these nightmare scenarios. of even even healthcare. You know, Pat, you've gone through with your mother. My grandmother. You know, straight up negligence in these facilities contributed to my grandmother's death. And it's like it is sad. It's it's sad, very sad, like you said. But it's it's kind of you know it's engineering, man. These things take so long. Like you said, you know, we don't talk to neighbors anymore. Our kids don't talk. It is. It is. But even, you know, look at how we shop. We don't leave. We just go online, Amazon. We don't have to leave our house for shit.
3: Yeah, which – and you – there's – there's. I think so much of this is, like you said, it's by design. It's to make us uh, less – I mean, it's funny because we think we're more social creatures because we have social media. We have all this stuff. We're actually less social creatures. Bunch of
0: dummies walking around with smartphones, And you're
3: starting to see how it's almost like – that's what happened like you know more kids are focusing on playing video games and they kind of you know that was their interaction with other humans was through internet or video games or social media or text messaging but i feel like it's so not human it's so against how we've survived as as you know civilizations you know us being social creatures that now what do you see you see an increase in like axe throwing is a big social event. People are getting together to go to different breweries and try IPAs and, go, and all this.
2: Stuff. Let's go act prehistoric and throw <laughs> axes. But but if let's you see the touch with our old ancestors.
3: I, yeah, but I think all right. these events bring us together. I think like as much as they try, you can't fight the fact that we're so, social creatures. You can't fight the For fact sure. that we're you know. So it's like you can because you look at the people that we talked about, the people who who are sold this book of lies that like oh the American dream is having this this giant house in a suburb where you have all this privacy and your kids go to a private school and you have a nanny and all this stuff those motherfuckers are all depressed they're unhappy they're self-medicated with pills they you know their kids end up growing up being complete disasters you know why because their parents weren't around or too busy paying for that giant house to pay for that private school and they thought well you know they got
0: on the newest iphone at 10 years old which it's a huge part of how we're so disconnected with our kids now it's like their faces in a damn phone or online or i mean which is fine. I don't necessarily mind that so much, but it has to be a balance, dude. Because it's, it's. I mean, it's gotten really, really bad with kids. I mean, you look at any party or any social gathering; they're all head down. They're not even talking, and the language a, is shrinking. Like, we don't even have in language an anymore.
2: Alternate dimension, dude. It's it alternate. is.
0: Everything is freaking b b r b o m w l o l m o e g m o g. And I don't mind you know symbolic language like hieroglyphs but language is shrinking kids can't even really write anymore like
3: physically well, write. well the scary part is that when you're you know when you are at a restaurant or bar or whatever and the fact that everybody's on their phone staring at it it's almost like we've accepted the fact that we'd rather Live in this virtual reality in our phone because we're basically locked into our phones. We're scrolling the internet or whatever it may be, social media, and it's like to us, we'd rather be there than in the present. And it's almost like we're, you know, it's total yes. total recall. It's it's like you know what? You know, I was
0: I was watching a guy, and this ha- we've all seen this. I was watching it. I just happened to think of that very thing. Uh The Kentucky Derby. I was watching it. The guy had a killer seat, damn near front row seat, and he's sitting here with his phone as they're coming down the home stretch. He's sitting here taping it. I'm like. Watch it live dude like you know what i mean it's like we will take some event you know some huge event and and we probably won't even watch it again we just want to be like like you
3: just said, basically, it's it's this lack of the ability to live in the present moment, man. And we just we see it all too much. Well, that's why it's weird, because when you think about the idea of possibly living in some type of virtual reality and it's we almost do it now. I mean, you think about how many hours people spend on their phone. So, how you know, like how different is it you staring at your phone for hours or if you literally being sat down in a chair with a head unit on some type of virtual reality glasses and sitting there for hours like and and really have no interact like being tied up to machines where they're just giving you fluids and food and nutrition to keep your heart beating and and right. you're just there and you're living in this virtual reality where you're just you know scrolling the internet or talking to people at the via the you know it's like we're not that far from that because we're already
2: remember you, yeah remember the movie wally yeah that's what Wally. yeah, oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. We're the there, man. we're there. Well, I mean, this is There's Brave so New World. Many, this is Huxley wrote about this ages ago. I mean, this is this is a, you, know, you know, it takes a I long time what, for it to manifest. But you it's, know,
2: Wally, everybody was overweight in those uh, little chairs that moved around and all that sort of stuff. I mean, they were clinically obese. I was at a swim meet with my fourteen-year-old who was swimming at the University of Iowa. But their facility is amazing. It has elevators in it. It's it's state of the it is a massive swimming facility. I can't even tell you how big it is. Um has a full three floors of weight facility, all kinds of stuff. Um it has a water park in it, but it also has diving platforms for an Olympic level event, has a 50 meter pool. You know, I mean and I'm telling you this thing, anybody who listens to this Google image search, the University of Iowa swimming facility and you'll go, it's it's the Taj Mahal of swim facilities. But the point I'm getting to is with the movie Wall-E, with, with everybody living online, with people eating you know, processed foods and pharmaceuticals and everything else, and the health going downhill. The elevator opened, I had I had chairs, I had all kinds of stuff, because I'm taking my five-year-old up to sit on a platform up above all the stands so that she's got stuff to play with, I've got toys for her, everything else, and I can sit up there and watch my 14-year-old. The elevator opens, and we're gonna go up to the third floor of this thing, and there is the, the the most obese human being I've ever seen in my life, standing in the elevator right there when the door opens. And he goes to take a step out of the elevator, and he steps on some moisture or whatever on the concrete floor. And he slips, and he starts to fall in slow motion. I'm telling you, easy, easy 600 pounds. What? what? Starts, falling, starts falling forward towards my five-year-old daughter. I quickly react. I know my daughter's going to get crushed by this. I grab her, and I throw her out of the way. I, I, sh- I put her on her feet. She doesn't get hurt. And the chairs, everything else, backpack, everything else on me. I try to stop this guy's fall. I'm a pretty strong guy. I mean, I've I've, I've been physical my entire life. There was no stopping this man from falling. 600 pounds, dude. Me, Because when he fell in, I caught him kind of last minute by his across his chest and by his shoulder, um, he just went straight to the floor and hit his face and everything else and started screaming. Now I'm like, hey, listen, um, you know, I, I, I go, are you okay? And he's yelling and everything, he calms down for a second and I say, listen, can you get your hand on that ledge? And he has to turn his body and face the other way with his hands like this. He's His body is shaped like this, so he's he's doing this and rocking back and forth, moving himself and angling himself so he can at least touch this ledge that's one foot off the ground. And I go, I'm going to grab underneath your arm. I go, I just want you to get to your. And I'm thinking to myself, this is this is incredibly horrible that this guy's in this situation to begin with physically. Um, but it's just a nightmare scenario that is repeated millions of times across this country. But I get underneath his arm and I grab his forearm with the other hand and I go, listen, I just need you to get to your knee. Just get one foot on the ground and your other knee on the ground. That's all I want you to do first. So we got him to there. I said, start catching your breath. I said, now on the count of three, we're going to get you up to your feet. And he looks up at me in kind of a oh oh no type look. He goes, I don't think this this is going to work. And I said, listen, man, this has to work. You have to get back to your feet. We have no choice because there's nobody else around right now. And he goes, okay. So I counted to three and I did a deadlift from hell and we got him back to his feet. And I said, check and see if your knee's okay first. And I'm holding on to him and he moves his feet around a little, little bit and he goes, I think I'm okay. He gives me a hug, says, thank you so much for getting me back, you know, on my feet. And everything else and then walks away and I was just sitting there thinking to myself this should not be happening anywhere in the world let alone my country and it's it's just this the farming of Americans it's we are living in Wally go but anybody that's listening to this go back and watch Wally we are living in Wally Every time I'm in Chicago O'Hare Airport it's Wally. there are so many clinically obese people in that airport. And in the Midwest, generally, it's it's disturbing, man. It's disturbing.
3: Well, you hear you, we talked about Bill Gates briefly. I mean, Bill Gates goes around giving poor communities and places all over the world grains, grains, yeah. tons of grains. Make them fatter. I'm um, like, so you're making them fatter. You're making their joints hurt. You're you're causing arthritis right. and disease. Uh, like it's pretty good science now that you know. Probably, I mean, there's a reason why almost every diet that has gotten popular and works. Has the removal of grains from it? I mean, if you're paleo, yeah, if you're keto, if, you, if, if you you're eat carnivore, like a
2: caveman, right? Yeah. Eat, eat plants, roots, berries, nuts, and some lean protein that isn't fried, and you're good to go.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's and it's so it's like it, it's it's crazy. I mean, it, it's it's crazy how it's almost like okay, we're we're getting these people food, but we're making them sick, so eventually we can make some money off giving them medicine, and it's just it, it's this vicious cycle of 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 just thinking you're being helped but in the process just you know like take this medication which is going to give you these symptoms these side effects which will give you some other medication for and exactly it's just it's, exactly. just, it's, it's endless and, and you know and that's the thing it's all about and this is I think the moral of, of this discussion because I think you know I listen to people who I really respect like uh, Randall Carlson and I hear him talk about you know understanding how climate has changed throughout you know throughout uh, centuries and years and decades or whatever and um, and it it could be and is changing now um the argument can be how much is it dangerously changing at a speed that we should be concerned about so like there's all these question marks and you know james did a a short video not too long ago uh, a podcast on uh the crisis of science i don't know if you guys watched it but i i highly recommend it and it really goes into how much science can be manipulated how much of it's retracted how much of it is is because we like to think like science is just there is no no opinion in science it's all just black and white there's facts and no for sure man and and And
0: like we talked about since they politicized this thing like about climate change i mean like i said those guys have been on this humans are bad the eugenicists were on it back in the day but they realized those terms didn't get any play so they slowly methodically changed the conversation of humans are still bad because you're causing, you know, global warming and, glo- you know, causing this, you know, trauma to the earth. So now we have to basically sanction humans for this problem. I mean, it's of course, it, of course, climate changes. dude. Of course it does. But those opportunistic pricks are pretty much like, oh, wait a minute. We can coincide, you know, the changing of climate. I don't know how much they knew that climate was changing back in the day, but, but basically they made it work. There's, we can find a way to make this work and sell this that human beings are a part of this problem. Like I said, uh, Landra, Acacio uh, Cortez and I've just seen, hey, just stop having kids and, you know.
3: Well, it's it's, it's a big hustle, dude. It's a big f- hustle. Yeah, a big hustle. We got a lot of people it's, buying it, it's man. A lot That's of the fear mongering. And and the thing is that what what really makes me nervous is that we go from global warming and then obviously when people realize like, okay, we can't use that term anymore because. It's de- man-made. It started you know, out with
0: glam- man-made global warming. Yeah, global
3: warming. Yeah. Yeah. And then they changed it. Now they call it climate change. Yep. And, then the, and, and every... You know, like he talked about uh, uh, Paul Enrich or whatever his name is. He did uh, the pseudoscience uh, right. uh, video he did. It, it's... Uh, it, you know, he had all these predictions that were 100% wrong. And this guy was, was really... Respected and this uh, scientist, I was doing interviews and p- uh, publishing stuff, and and uh, and all his predictions were wrong. And every time they have these predictions, I mean, like we talked about Al Gore, and you know they're wrong. And people just keep saying, "Well, this time they're telling us the truth." No, this time. No, we will believe them this time. No, this time well, it's now, for and real. And now when it's been yeah.
0: super cold the last several years, oh no, 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 global warming is global cooling. Like you know, there was just snow last week in my boy's crib in, in Colorado, not in the, the mountains, but you know, it's it's just insane. Well, I'm sure, it's I'm sure how they hijack the narrative and it just. <laughs> Yeah, Look, the the mean, media is obviously but, behind it, and it's so so politicized. Politicized, when, like almost like you were saying, when you start using that denial, oh, you're a climate denier, and it just has that immediate association to 9/11 denier, Holocaust I, Holocaust denier.
2: Yeah. So no one. But here's what I want. Here's what I want. You know, Jeff, you and I have talked about this a lot. Um, you know, the hypnotist at a comedy club who hypnotizes 25 people on stage and gets them to do whatever they sure. want. That is the the exact same thing that mass media is doing to, you know, the masses who are susceptible to just believing and accepting everything they're told. Now, imagine this, and what percentage, and I want for, you know, all those people out there that believe the mainstream media is the gospel, somebody who happens to stumble upon this, this broadcast and believes that, you know, ISIS somehow appeared out of nowhere, that it had to be funded by just, you know, uh, evil people from overseas or or whatever it was, and it wasn't our you know, it wasn't uh, Clinton's state department, it wasn't the, the Obama administration, it wasn't the, the Bushes, it wasn't any of these other people predecessors to, uh, for Al-Qaeda imagine if all the networks started broadcasting this we're talking mass Jonestown, brother we have to save the environment we're going to on January 13th we're going to send out pamphlets, emails, whatever. And the people that receive these emails, you've got to commit suicide. And, and, and we want you all to commit suicide to save the earth. We're, we're going we're gonna to have three quarters of the earth down. Like three quarters of the earth's inhabitants all have to commit suicide. That's billions of people. But how many millions of people do you think would actually follow through with it?
0: I can't. I don't know how many. How many? But I know. I know there'd be. They getting it so to the point where it's, it's a religion, and we see, we know what kind of fanaticism can happen in religion. I could definitely see a lot of people doing that, bro. Yeah. I could definitely see a lot of people I'm doing that. Because, like I said, they're they've it's they've almost bad. they've utilized a basic, uh, whatever the word is, maternal or nurturing. Of course, we all want the environment to be well, but they've they've they pigeonholed it to just CO two. Like again, they don't talk about water vapor or the cycle of the sun, et cetera, et cetera. So They've everybody's bought into this. Yes, it's CO2. We're the we're the ones doing it industry, et cetera, et cetera. When we really don't have a fucking clue, you yeah, know, what I mean? your, ice, your ice, your ice cold samples back in the Middle Ages or whatever. Even other times it's been warmer. But again, it's hard to quantify now because they've been geo. They've been engineering the atmosphere for going on almost 100 years, probably 80, 60 to 80 years. We had on Jim Lee, you know, the, the first tropical storm they invented off the coast of the East Coast in the early 40s. And just who knows what they're doing now with the chemtrails, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, they almost could be making it come true now. I mean, this almost yeah. goes back to the Anunnaki, right? The Anunnaki were mining for gold to put gold in the atmosphere to keep the earth cool and reflective sun back. So, I mean, uh, who knows what the hell they're doing right know, now? And harp. But at the end of the day, we know as long as we – and Harp as well. Harp, but as yeah. long as we know and get that it's a hustle, it's a hustle to control human resources, human consumption, and it, eventually human beings – I mean, again, go back to what check out George's uh, "Why the Oil." What, is, what was it again? I'm sorry. Why oil conquered the world? Why big oh, oil h- conquered h- the world? How big,
3: how big? oil conquered the world? There was and two. Then why, there was yeah, how and why? Big oil big conquered oil. World? Why? Yeah. So check yeah. those two out, man. It's right. It's
0: it's in depth, man. It really is. But it, again, it goes to the depths of this social engineering that again does not happen overnight, ladies and gentlemen. These things take decades and like Pat to, you know, to fulfill says, it's, their
3: just, it's more creative ways the tax people. It's it's more creative ways they make right. money twice. They tax us to pay for the transition, then they profit off the transition. You know, it's like, that's exactly what they do. It's like, hey, let's have all these new sources of energy you guys are gonna pay for it and then we're gonna profit from it because we're gonna own all the businesses, we're gonna own all the grid, we're gonna own all the so, but, and,
0: and, but then we all eventually sign up for it. We all get our smart
3: dishwasher, our smart TV. Yeah, but you, you know, we mean, just give the information think, and that, Florida has has laws against you can't be off the grid. I mean, you look at like even if you want solar panels, you still have to you, you have to sell it back to the electric company. You know, right. like you still have to have some relationship with the electric company. It's like, well, why can't I just be like, No, fuck them? I make enough electricity, self dependent, you know, self sufficiency yeah. is for
0: Upon man,
3: yeah, they don't want that. They want us to be dependent. They want us to be so. That's, I mean, and that's the thing. And and I think that's what's so important about this, this discussion is that it's not about where you stand um, on, you know, if we should be having some social change in the way we live or whatnot, or exactly. you know, the debate about climate uh, changing or whatnot. Let's, because let, you can have those debates, and those debates are fine. But one thing you and, and those don't necessarily maybe have a a black and white right down the middle right answer that you know there. It, I think those are still discussions that are still open to debate sure. but the one thing that isn't open to debate is that without a doubt people are using this conversation yes. as control and using yes. it to manipulate people exactly. and scaring the shit out of people so it's like I think you know it, it's that's something that people have to kind of focus on like stop and and they have
0: to want to know too you know we have our 30 minute you know our fast food news services today and people think they're informed this goes this agenda goes back almost over a 100 years man you got to do some reading you got to do some research you can't just these, listen to Roger Maddow and, or anybody else tell you what the hell's
3: going on in the world and think you have a freaking clue. And when, it the just build, it, when people like to build a group, get together, when people, I mean, these guys are looking yes, at Club big, of Rome. Yeah, Club of Rome. They're looking at big picture. They're looking at big picture. They they understand way before the the population does. Like, okay. They the, the, are
0: playing chess yes. while we all too often play checkers. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, again, by design. And we, you know. We're easily played again. I go back to my cover page on my cover picture on my my Facebook page. I talk about all the time Morpheus holding up the battery in the matrix. That's what we are, man. We're just we're just fuel for the machine. And now they've really, you know, we've kind of almost just conceptually been fueled to the machine. But what they're going for now, we literally are about to be fueled for the machine and how they restrict our consumption, restrict resources. I mean, this we're about to see some next level stuff. And China is a huge beta test for this. And I really wanted to ask James about um, the one belt, one road and how these next 15, 20 years literally are going to just change as it relates to the sustainable energy stuff because they're embracing it as well.
2: Well, in regards to that, I mean, had, had Western Europe hit China with the same tariffs that we hit China with, they would have helped us stop China from becoming the monster that they're becoming. So Western Europe is, is complicit to the problem. And they're assisting China in becoming this monster, and, and the globalists are all all responsible. The past administrations who allowed this to happen. Um, I mean, for God's sake,s even Clinton went as far as to sell, you know, satellite killing technology to the Chinese. I mean, this some, these business. are some bad bad people that yep. that did this. But let me tell you something as far as the controlling of government, and I'm going to tell you, um, I got a letter from the IRS. And it said that I had an amount due immediately. Now, mind you, the amount due immediately that they sent me was the exact amount of the check that had cleared the bank already quite a few weeks before I got this letter. And this is a notice to intent notice of intent to levy your property or rights to property as we notified you before our records show you have unpaid taxes for a tax period ending so and so immediately make payments reasonable don't receive this amount due within 30 days to date this notice we may levy your property or rights to your property Um, they, they, they basically were already starting to move to steal my fucking house from me when my bank when my check had already cleared the fucking bank that's what that's that's when you realize how much power these assholes have, and, and look, they, these people at the IRS are only doing their job, I get it. But it, the system is broken. The system is broken. For sure. And anyone with that kind of power to just come in and steal my house when I've already made the payment, number one, and two, if anybody out there listening, you know, the, the benevolence of government, if I wouldn't <laughs> pay it, they'd seize my house and then they would kick me out of my house and if i refused to leave my house and i fought back with a gun they'd fucking kill me damn so wesley going. snipes you better pay your taxes but this is this is what i'm talking about and this this amount was already paid uh, and and the, the check had already cleared many 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 weeks before i ever got this letter so i'm telling you right now well, I think you it, know when i yeah. to, when i listen to ron paul and all the other people talk about get rid of the irs get rid of the federal reserve all this other stuff This is the reason why this is the reason why, because it's 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 scary shit. When you get a letter like that and you've already paid them, um,
0: I mean, and obviously that's almost another whole conversation. People don't even realize that the that the uh, income tax was literally ruled unconstitutional, direct tax, a direct Tax on income was ruled unconstitutional numerous times by the Supreme Court prior to 1913 and in the, the Income Tax Act or whatever the hell it was. But that's, of course, the same year the Federal Reserve Act was passed. So that's when they started shutting it down. But, yeah, a direct tax on a tax on income was ruled unconstitutional quite a while ago. But right.
2: they made it happen anyway. Yep, yep.
0: Well, so the, the that's,
2: that's my rant. That's my rant.
3: Yeah, no, that's fucked up, man. No, I, I think people need to be reminded of that because I think yeah. when, when you're not in the crossfire of the government, you don't realize the bullies that can be how they can ruin your lives. And it's really easy to just kind of go on with your day. And, you know, when you're you don't happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time or you don't happen yeah. to piss off. the. I mean, the government and I try to tell people this all the time, like the government is the is just like the mob, just like the mob. You owe them money. For Hmm. services you didn't want, and then you know, and then if you don't pay them, they ruin your fucking life, you know. So it's like, how is it any different than a mob? Like it's you know, and that's the thing. No, it's the same. It's the exact
0: same. But again, like you said, nobody nobody really cares. It's almost like whatever, killing people, fucking throughout the world in illegal wars. No one really cares unless it happens to them. Because until then, you know, you could just sit around, do nothing, make Facebook Live twerk videos, and you know, just do dumb shit. You know what I mean? But until it hits you right in the face, then, you know, makes it a little bit more real. But uh, that right. shouldn't have to be what happens. You know what I mean? We should still – that in that story Pat just described, that's the kind of the preemptive stage. The IRS has been doing that to people for, you know, years and years and years. But, you know, I don't want to piss off the IRS. Not that I did anything wrong, but I guess you don't have to to piss off the IRS. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, this was, this has been awesome, man. I don't know, um, Pat, you need closing statements? Ricky, anything to close this
2: bad boy I'm good, out? good, buddy. This yeah. is a good one.
3: Yeah, I mean I just want to add that I think uh, at least my personal opinion is that I don't really have one on 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 uh, the solutions or what's causing the problem or if there is a realistic problem that has to be I guess, you know, creating this giant social change immediately. Uh, I think a lot of it is scare tactics. It doesn't mean that there couldn't be some truth to some science out there. But I think people need to be skeptical. But I at think, the
0: end of the day, like anything else in life, man, if your premise on what's happening is off or is wrong, your solution's going to be fucked up. Absolutely. So we yes, really, yeah. really, like we said, get to the basis of why this is happening. You know, again, that's really going to monitor. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, again, it's like, well, of course, we probably have an impact on I mean, not to whatever. Things change, you know, and we change. We probably change environments. Is it to the point that they're talking about right now? I don't know, and we're never, never really going to get it because what they've been doing with the atmosphere and the, you know, engineering of the, you know, atmosphere and weather, et cetera, et
2: cetera. But well, but it, ultimately, think of the blip in time that we are. Yes, on this I mean, true too. if yeah. if mankind nuked themselves out of existence, the earth would recover in. Well, I mean,
0: what they say about volcanic ash going up in there. So many volcanoes pump up so much CO2 way more than we ever do. I mean, we've been seeing so many volcanoes pop off. They say way more CO2 than humans have even produced being human. So like when they when they linchpin it to CO2, we got to get past that. Let's talk about the sun. Let's talk about water vapor. You know what I mean? Don't let them control the narrative of what we know is happening. Climate change. But, you know, what's the true nature of it? Are we doing it? Is it CO2? And if it's not. Let's find other solutions or just recognize we're not, we can't control the sun. Like Pat said, fucking sun controls all of our weather. But right. it has definitely been politicized and it's some it's some dangerous stuff, dude, because like Pat said, I can honestly see some not literal Jonestown scenario. But we have some zealots out there like that who just won't let the CO2 thing go. Their own little self-hatred of being a human being is is
2: visceral. Millions would off themselves for the cause, dude, oh, Yeah, they believe media. they would believe the media and they would do it, thinking they were doing the right thing. That's how easily sold the American public.
0: Track is, it down, right? ladies and gentlemen. Like anything else, picture. key bono, who benefits in thus this. Go back to the conversations with Eugenesis back in the early nineteen hundreds, the Rockefellers, et cetera. We're not making this up. It's not a conspiracy theory. Just do your own research. Yeah, right. but Ricky,
3: thank you so yeah. much, bro. Thanks, thanks Good for talking for- to you, Ricky.
0: Yeah, www.theconspiracyfarm.com. The website is up. Your one-stop shop for all conspiracy farm stuff. Episodes, killer sponsors, a little bit of gear. Ricky, man, thank you so much. Appreciate you, brother.
3: Yeah, and, and uh, uh, I, I haven't. I've I had a busy weekend, so I haven't got back to you in regards to that. uh, The last email, because yes, I, I yes. know there's a lot of information there, but I'm definitely interested. And yes, you know, we'll just have to go through the details and stuff like that. But that sounds awesome. I mean, you, uh, you know, well, for just... sure.
0: Like if you don't know, now you know. We are starting, or we pretty much have been scheduled and tasked to pretty much schedule a radio station, a talk radio station, with about a million plus listeners here in the Midwest, Eastern Iowa, Western Illinois. Um, it's really going to be awesome. The lineup we are assembling, brother. We want you a part of it. And, heavy hitters. Uh, heavy hitters. You, know, you will never, you will, you, we've never seen a lineup like this in the history of terrestrial radio. So we are assembling um, some hitters like yourself, man, to help get this information out there. Not to say we're right all the time,
3: but just to be able to have these discussions. You just don't well, hear it yeah. on controlled radio. Because doing research even for this podcast, every video, every article was either for or against... You know, you're either a, a denier or you're you believe all every single piece of science that's out there and all these ridiculous right. predictions. Right. And one thing that i love about our discussions how often we say well yeah we don't know but you know like we, we we're undecided in, in a lot yeah. of times because that's the way we that's should what be. people don't get a, they're,
0: they're, everyone's so like so so confirmation biased they have to feel they have to have to be right and it's not even really about that man it's about the exchange of ideas of maybe hearing something you maybe you didn't know about before that makes you scratch your head like oh well, i just didn't think about it that way exactly. we have to stop defending these confirmation biases that are just sometimes erroneous man and just be able to talk to people and take the ego out of it of it. again the whole i have to be right is such some ego trip and bullshit dude. i mean there's so much more information that can be gathered when you're just like oh wow i didn't look at it that way
3: yeah <laughs> or, well no, and you're right it is influenced by ego i mean we we almost we've created a culture where if you're wrong or if somebody corrects you it's almost like we look down upon you like you must be a dummy you know and instead of looking at it like oh shit i was wrong so now i got some good information and i'm one step closer from figuring this thing out or having a better researched opinion on this topic it's like we shouldn't look down upon somebody being no, wrong, a, you know? a lot of that conversation uh, i'm
0: not even going to try to touch it really right now but it's way existential but a lot of people's need to be right is not just ego but it's a fear of death that's mm-hmm. a whole again another sounds, conversation but
3: sounds deep yeah that's uh <laughs> it is yeah i've never even thought about it that way but i'm gonna have to ponder <laughs> on that after <laughs> this podcast It's <laughs> some deep shit but uh, thank you man hey, Patrick. thanks guys love you brother hey thanks guys you hey say we say thank you guys Ricky? we'll family. definitely all get together thank soon you. and Keep once
2: speaking the truth
3: yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I'll, I'll send you the video and audio and, uh, you know, and hopefully I'll get it to you soon. Yeah. Peace and
0: love. Thank you so thanks, much, guys. Thanks, Take everybody. Care.
3: Yep. Thanks. Take Thank care. you.
0: Care.